Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick, and this is episode number 132 of the Mandolins of Beer podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, The Mandolin Cafe, which, oddly enough, is where I heard of this new album by Sam and Ash called Echo Summit, featuring Ashley Hoyer on Mandolin. I thought, what a what better time to have Ashley back on the podcast? The new album's fantastic, so be sure to check it out. I'm also uh, been really loving the Bluebird picks, by the way. I've gotten a few direct messages about them, and I, uh, I'm really digging it, man. It is, uh, you got to kind of try it for yourself. I find it to be kind of warm and smooth. Um, really, really cool, and they're made from uh, old poker chips, so and they're really cool and colorful looking. I try to try every pick out that comes out. Uh, you know, I've, I've definitely gone through them all and I have put in, oh man, I'd say 14 hours in the last week or so on these picks and it's really, really breaking in nicely. So I just want to thank Matt again at Bluebird Picks. And I'll tag him in this uh, post so you can find a link to him. I believe it's just on Instagram for the store right now. So reach out to Matt if you want to check them out. They're, they're definitely cool. Um, I want to thank Peghead Nation, Peghead Nation streaming video courses and mandolin, guitar, banjo, fiddle, dobro, ukulele, and bass. You can learn bluegrass, old time, and other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in Roots Music. Beginning mandolin to advanced mandolin, jazz, theory, they've got it all. Sharon Gilchrist, Joe K. Walsh, Mike Compton, John Reichman, Aaron Weinstein, Marla Feibish, Chad Manning. Courses include high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tab, play-along tracks, and plenty of tunes and songs to play. Best part here is join any of Peghead Nation's video courses now and get your first month for free. Just go to pegheadnation.com and use the promo code MANDOLINBEER, all one word, at checkout. Northfield Mandolins, let's build more than a mandolin together. Check out their website at northfieldmandolins.com or download their app at mandosummit.app for lots of special performance recordings, demonstrations, and special workshops. Ear Trumpet Labs is back. Ear Trumpet Labs, hand-built microphones from Portland, Oregon. Their mics are beautifully designed. They have great feedback rejection for live use and the most natural tone you'll find for acoustic instruments. Check them out at eartrumpetlabs.com today. I just recorded a demo with my Edwina mic and my Northfield's octave mandolin in vocals. And after positioning it like two times, I found a great blend. So definitely incredible microphones. Thank you to Ear Trumpet Labs. Thank you to my friends at Ellis Mandolins, handcrafted mandolins designed and built in Austin, Texas. Just beautiful mandolins as well. And by the way, if you're thinking about building your own mandolin like I have for a long time, you gotta have Roger Simonoff's The Ultimate Bluegrass Mandolin Construction Manual. Now in its fourth edition, it was originally published in 73, came back out again in the fourth edition in 2021, and I got myself a copy and Wow. It really walks you through the entire process more in depth than I could really ever imagine. And it's got all the foldouts. It's got, I believe, 21 full-size foldouts of F5 construction drawings. It's even got the luthier signature and date labels that you can put in there. A bunch of color photographs, over 300 color photographs. It's incredible. And find out, you know, I've had some of the best builders in the world on this podcast, and they have his book. So that says something right there. So go to Siminoff Books dot com today start building your dream mandolin yourself 
And if you don't have time to build an instrument, totally understood, you can go to Elderly Instruments and uh, purchase your next mandolin. Elderly Instruments is your trusted source for new, used, and vintage fretted and stringed instruments. For the experience to beginner player, their vast selection of mandolins, guitars, banjos, ukuleles, and did I say mandolins? Includes all of the accessories and books to go with them. All instruments are inspected and set up for easy playability, and their down-to-earth and knowledgeable staff are there to help. Now in their 50th year, family-owned and operated, shipping worldwide, you can visit anytime at elderly.com. All right, thanks everybody for tuning in. Let's get into the interview here with Ashley Hoyer. Cheers, everybody. All right, now it is my pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, Ashley Hoyer. Ashley, how are you? Doing great. Nice to talk to you again, Daniel. Yeah, been nice. A while. Yeah, for sure. It was like in the throes of COVID, I think, the last time we talked. Oh my gosh, yeah. I was, uh, yeah, we had moved in with my parents. I remember this. We had just bought a house, and I was doing the interview in my um, childhood bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Wow. What a, you know, wild times for sure. Wild times. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and, and again, and, and, um, I was the one thing through COVID that I was always anticipating, I guess, was, you know, as musicians have been locked down, the amount of really great music that could potentially come out of this, because, you know, the, a a lot of times musicians can't write as much because they're always traveling or touring and, you know, you're in a van, you're on a plane, you know, you're driving through the night. Um, and, mm-hmm. and like this year in particular, we're in a great run of some really awesome releases, yourself included. This new Sam and Ash album, Echo Summit, is unbelievably good. Oh, thanks. That's really nice. Um, COVID had a, had a large hand in the making of this album, actually. So Sam, my accordion player partner, um, she lives in Ireland and she was over either on tour or visiting family. I forget which, maybe both. And she got stuck in the U.S. She could not go back to Ireland um, because they stopped flights. And so she actually had to stay in California. Darn. And we decided, <laughs> you know, this isn't going to happen for maybe ever again. So let's do it. Let's work on this together. And um, she did eventually get home, but then she came back again a couple times. And anyway, we were able to cobble it together finally. And um, I'm so happy, like COVID made her album happen. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, and, and I think that's been a big part for a lot of things is like this, you, you, you had to get creative or, um, mm-hmm. you know, or I, I mean, I, I dread to think of the alternative. I mean, you hear lots of things that it works in different ways for different people. Like isolation can be completely defeating to people or you know Mm. some people also turn it into something incredible which which it appears you both did we tried yeah you know make the best of what you got you know um there were definitely times that i felt defeated (laughs) and just couldn't produce creatively but you know if you just don't put that pressure on yourself then and just kind of wait it out you know it'll come back which it has, which is good. That's great. Yeah, I mean, there was a time I didn't, I didn't pick up a mandolin for a week and a half because I didn't even know what to work on because I'm like, I don't even know what I'm gonna. Yeah. I don't know 
what am I going to work on stuff that I'm going to forget? That was like my weird mental <laughs> lapse. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not, I don't have anybody to play it with. It's not going to retain, you know? So. I totally, totally relate to that. Cause usually I'm just, you know, traveling with some band and I have to be practicing for some performance and I just didn't have any performances. So I'm like what play for pleasure? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore. This yeah. is weird. <laughs> it's a job. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so uh, how long had you been, how long have you, had you known Sam uh, before you started this album? Yeah. Um, we'd actually, she actually grew up, um, near me. We grew up near each other in Ventura County, California. And I'd heard of her family. Her family is amazing. They are all great musicians and, um, Irish dancers. And so I'd heard of the Harvey family for a long time and I finally reached out, um, because oh yes we were we we were both hired to play a gig together and I finally met her in person and I thought this is great she lives near me and we could do just I just wanted to put together a local you know tune duo whatever play at breweries and wineries and have a good time and play tunes and sometimes it's hard to find tune players around so I just wanted to reach out and make that happen and you know, it just turned out that we just love playing together. And then we started writing music together. And this was around 2013. And we made a little EP that kind of just took off. And we didn't expect that. We just actually made it to book gigs. And people kept wanting to buy something. So we printed a bunch. And that keeps selling. We put it online, keeps selling. <laughs> like, wow, okay. Maybe we should actually make an album. <laughs> And that has a that's that was a goal for a long time. And um, in the meantime, she'd gotten married, had a kid, lived in, lived in Ireland. You know, I got married, got a house, and um, through life, we we are still we we're pretty much in touch every day um, about about life and tunes and whatever. Um, so anyway, we just decided, you know, life is not going to slow down. So let's just. Let's just get her done. Make this album that we've always wanted to make, and and it was amazing how when we finally took the reins and and decided we wanted to do it, it really came together quite quickly. How how many days did you spend recording it? I think it was about five or six, maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, I'm. Does that? I'm. I'm actually curious. Is that? Does that sound like a lot or a little? I, it's. It well to me. It sounds like a lot only because the songs sound so <laughs> organically perfect. You know, what I, it sounds like mm. you guys sat down for an afternoon and recorded these songs, which I, I think is right. what the vibe you want. You know, <laughs> I would imagine yeah. as a, we all try to record something that sounds like it just happened, regardless of the amount of days. Yeah, yeah. But they are complex sounding tunes. Um. I, because, like, just sitting down, the one thing I really want to dig into about this is your backup playing on this is so great. Like, Ooh. each song seems like a lesson in how to back up another instrument. You know, a lot of duo <laughs> recordings are like, you know, like a lot of times mandolin players, when they're playing a duo, I think the you try to just strum along, right? To be mm, as much yeah. backing as you can be. But there are songs where you go from just... Some, a couple notes to some arpeggiation to some strumming to notes and arpeggiation to notes and or to notes and strumming. It's it's like 
I, I, I really want to pick your brain about that because I think that's one thing that a lot of mandolin players just uh, sometimes can suffer from, especially when jamming is just slamming away and even forgetting the other person's trying to, uh, you know, make something melodic here too. Right, right. Yeah, it's a, it, it's kind of an art form to sort of support the other musician. That's how I feel about it. And you kind of just have to find that right supportive role, that, that perfect setting um, for your for your buddy and make them, make them sound awesome. (laughs) You know, get out of their way, you know, get out of their way. (laughs) And then, um, was it, was it weird recording? Is it weird to record like with an, uh, an accordion? Cause it's definitely not the uh, traditional mandolin duo (laughs) that I'm familiar with. (laughs) You know, it is an interesting experience. Sam is amazing. She's also an amazing uh, Irish dancer. So her rhythm is, is solid. It is so good. Um, however, accordion is a reed instrument, so it's like you don't have the very, very precise starting and stopping of, of pitches, you know? It kind of sometimes, it kind of like, it can like sort of just sort of crescendo into a note, and you're not sure exactly where they are sometimes. <laughs> um, so you just kind of have to like believe that you're in the right spot and stay steady. That's pretty much how I deal with it. Um and uh, so it's a really interesting experience. It's it's even it's like, you know, fiddle is more precise than accordion, I find. Um, and I'm sure button accordion is a whole other story, but she plays piano accordion. So it's like, it's a really interesting rhythmic experience, um, but I love it. And we usually always end up in the right spot. So. <laughs> 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 That's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's a, again, it's like the pairing. It was um, the when I originally saw it, just, front page of the mandolin cafe thank you scott for you know thank you scott yeah and um and i was like oh wow this would be uh i can't imagine what that would be like and like right away i'm like oh my gosh this is so cool Also, um, you had these songs on, um, or they've been put on the uh, super popular podcast. Welcome to Night Vale. Oh, yeah. Welcome to Night Vale. Yeah, there was one track. So, funny story. I went to school with the writer of Welcome to Night Vale, Joy Fink. And we actually took violin together. And his dad taught my sister piano lessons. He was actually a great accordion player as well, dad. Anyway, Joey Fink went on to become this amazing, you know, New York Times bestseller writer, et cetera, et cetera. And we keep in touch just because we're old friends. And I sent him a recording, but not thinking anything would come of it, just keeping in touch. And he's like, you better um, maybe set up some kind of, you know, website to collect money for your album because a lot of people are going to hear it pretty soon. Wow. (laughs) And I was like, wow, thanks, Joe. It's amazing. That's so, uh, what um, what track was that? Was that on the was that on the EP or was that off of this album? It was off the EP, so that happened a long time ago. Um it was uh one of Sam's tunes called Peanuts. Thank you. 
Yeah, so that was a pretty fun. That was that was our that's our claim to fame so far. You know, that's a pretty big. <laughs> that's a uh, that's a huge podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's like having an amazing, like a major motion picture, uh, probably even more <laughs> now <laughs> nowadays, you know? Yeah, totally. Let's talk a little bit about some of the songs here real quick, because there are some originals and some traditionals, but you start the album off mm-hmm. with uh, Echo Summit and name the album Echo Summit. Mm-hmm. Was mm-hmm. that, did you know right away that was going to be the name of the album? really um sam and i were working on a repertoire we didn't really know what we wanted to put on the album yet and i said oh i just wrote this tune and she just ended up getting obsessed with it she loved it and she also liked the imagery of echo summit it's just an interesting combination of words and it's also a place in california um and that's why i wrote it and that's why it's named echo summit i actually was doing a contra dance camp there and uh, so anyway, she d- she put it forward and that the idea of the album name. And I was like, okay, that's, that's kind of cool. It's sort of like title track idea. You know, that's kind of a classic, classic strategy. So, yeah, we ended up going with that. Perfect name. And I was telling you before we started, like, the album is, it's 14 tracks, but it goes by, it's like such an easy listen that more than once, I heard Echo Summit, you know, it starts with that, and then I'd be listening to it, and then I'd hear Echo Summit again. I'm like, what? Is this, why am I, why does it keep skipping to this track? Or did they put it on here multiple times? It's like, no, you've listened to the entire album already, and it's playing back through again. Nice. So, which is, nice. the, that's the highest compliment I think you can pay an album, you know, it's especially nowadays with the short attention spans that I am just as guilty of as anybody, you know? Yeah, totally. I completely agree with that. Um, so yeah, but thank you for that. That's awesome. Oh no, absolutely. <laughs> Glad thank, you had that experience. Yeah, thank you for uh, thank you for putting out this album. Um, I, I have to ask Neck Belly. I know that it wasn't written by you guys, but any idea what the title of that means? I knew. Um, I I have I have no clue. Uh, <laughs> and in fact, when we were, we had to do quite a bit of research trying to find the composers and publishers of these uh, uh, non-original tracks. And you know, we did not. We we actually had a hard time finding the right spelling of it. We thought it might be two words, one word, and then we thought maybe there'd be neck belly real at the end of it. Um, and it was. It was in a lot of places spelled differently, and um, we eventually, I think, found the right published title. But anyway, yeah, I have no idea what it means. <laughs> I really like myself. How did you pick the the um, the covers that you guys came up with? Uh, again, it's interesting to hear that you had to look them up just to hear, like, figure out who 
who you know composed them. So how did mm-hmm. how did you guys find them originally? You know, I mentioned we talk all the time. Um, whenever we we're both you know are adamant music listeners to random stuff, and whenever we come across something that we like, we share it with each other. And Sam, being an accordion player, is a fan of Sharon Shannon, a wonderful accordion player. And that's how she found this tune, Neck Belly. Um, for example, Banjo Lasses. That's two different tunes. The first tune I actually learned from a student of mine. She said, hey, I really want to learn this this tune. It's, a, it's on a gourd banjo. And I'm like, <laughs> well, we'll try and adapt it. We'll see what we can do. And it's it's technically called Christmas Eve. And, and since then, I've done more research to sort of learn different versions. But the version that we recorded was the one I learned from the, the gourd banjo player. Um and then the next tune that we medley with it is actually a tune that Sam knows as a traditional Irish tune called Primrose Lasses. So anyway, it's all, it's all kind of a big mishmash of things that we like and have played with perhaps other people or heard somewhere. And, you know, we had to do the, the Amelie tune, you know. I mean, mandolin and accordion, you kind of have to do those <laughs> right, right. Like, iconic you know, amazing melodies and, and it seems to be a crowd favorite. So it was, um, it was kind of fun to arrange it as a duo. Oh, that's so cool. And then, uh, Lakeside is another one of your compositions, which is very, uh, that's a super catchy melody. super hummable and catchy you know what i mean like it's a great hook yeah i was kind of going for that you know sometimes mandolin tunes can be just overly noty and i think i was trying to just be hummable as you said and um that that story comes from i was doing a a dance week like a a folk dance music week at cordelaine idaho and and it was really fun all the teachers were sort of um hunkered down in the same cabin and we'd be working hard all day. And before we would go out and play in the bands all night to the dancers, we would all have a cocktail on the porch on the deck over the, overlooking the lake. And that was just my favorite time. And that, so that's, that's kind of what the vibe is. It's sort of just mellow cocktail hour with musician friends. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds awesome. (laughs) It was great. It was great. What was isolation, I guess? First off, what was isolation like as far as recording this album? Mm. Because I would imagine the accordion is pretty loud. (laughs) Yes. We, fortunately, um, I work at one of these boarding high schools and teach music um, where I am located. And 
they had just built a new cafeteria on campus with an extra little, you know, space, which my music director very, very wonderfully suggested they turn into a recording studio. And so I got to watch this thing get built. And, um, and so I asked him, I said, hey, you know, is anybody using that studio yet? And it was summertime and there's no, you know, there weren't any students there. He said, no, you want to use it? And I said, yes, please. <laughs> and he said, well, great. Here's the name of the engineer that built it if you want to hire him as your engineer. And I said, yes, please. And that's the way it worked. It was just like we got to use the studio and we got to use the guy that built it. And um, it was fantastic. So the actual space had a control room where I actually was recording in in there with the engineer because it's mandolin's quiet. So right, right. <laughs> um, he wasn't making any meal, any noise and the and the gear wasn't making that much noise. He actually set up some some nice um, baffling and stuff between us anyway. And then there was a big window that and door that went into the 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 recording room where Sam was, uh, where she would do all of her accordion and dancing. She, there's some dancing on the album too, that we recorded her feet. Um, so yeah, she was, she was in the, in the real like soundproof room. <laughs> <laughs> what type of a uh, mic setup did you use for the recording? There were two microphones. There was one sort of on the base, the base side of the F hole. And then another one pointed near the 12th fret. Um, and then they blended, you know, to to whatever extent. Uh, we I don't even know what they ended up being, but I know that it sounds good. So <laughs> yeah, it sounds sounds great. Yeah, and again, it's it really cuts. Um, the mix is great on the album. I mean, it's really the the way that it, the two instruments blend. Um, it's just it's really a natural sounding recording. Nice. Yeah, we. Um, that's thanks to our our, uh, our mixing engineer Anton. He's amazing. Uh, he. You know what's funny about that is that we were, you know, we were mixing for a while, and this was all remote because of COVID. R- remotely, just taking notes, you know, one minute, five seconds on this track, mandolin, <laughs> right. blah blah blah. You know, so tedious, but you know, we got through it. And uh, anyway, at the end of all this, like really tedious mixing, like maybe three to four passes of this process. Uh, Anton goes, okay, well, we're going to master now. Um, I'll send you, I'll send you, you know, we were really happy with the mixes as they were. And he sent us the masters. <laughs> like, it's completely ruined. Oh my gosh. The masters messed up. Just like they brought out these way different frequencies than expected. And oh, it just, no. it doesn't, sometimes mastering just doesn't work for folk music. It's like, you want to hear all the intricacies. You don't want the bass boosted like a crazy pop album you know, and you don't want it compressed like freaking I don't know, Panini, you know, I mean, you, <laughs> right. you want to hear, like, you want to hear all those levels because it's subtle and you can lose a lot. So we actually decided after mastering, we didn't want to do mastering. So we took it off and went with an unmastered um, situation, which I think we're very happy with because it just, even though, you know, you do lose some, some things with, with not mastering, we just didn't want to, we felt like it was the, the lesser of two evils. So that's what we did. That's cool. That's that. You, you wouldn't know it that, you know, that it was, I mean, it sounds incredible. So 
And for people listening and, and, and not familiar with with um, maybe what we're talking about is like just just recording the songs is literally a, a small portion of what happens. You get the songs <laughs> recorded and then everybody gets a copy. Everybody goes home and like, well, the well, the takes are good. You're like this. There's certain sound things you're like, oh, you know, what? can we tweak this here? You can tweak this here. And like I'll get sometimes when people send me ahead of time for a podcast, I'll get like the. uh the rough mixes or masters that haven't really, you know, mm-hmm. they're literally just Dropbox files. And some of these will be like version 10, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it can, it, you know, yeah. that's how much stuff goes in. And then you send it to another person who masters it, which is where, you know, um, well, I guess the easiest way to describe it would be the the pop music world where, you know, somebody takes something they've written and they send it to somebody to kind of brick wall it and make everything louder <laughs> in these days yeah. anyway, you know, and so it will go on yeah. radio and sound like all the other songs. <laughs> yeah, it has to compare to whatever else is on the radio and stuff like that. Yeah, so it's a, it's a lot of work after you get done recording it. So which one of these songs or which which some of these songs were the ones that you found to really be the ones that you're like, okay, let's just try it again. <laughs> I think the hardest one for me, or as an ensemble, I think it was the Thanks Brian track. Um, just because it was so there's a lot of energy and we were we were just kind of running on fumes <laughs> to do it and um and there's so many different sections that the transitions were tricky like you know either bashing on chords and then going to delicate melody and then switching instruments and then Sam was adding accordion we had to do accordion bass separately from a melody um I forget why I think just because it would overpower the melody so we wanted control over you know bringing it down and you can only do that if you separate it so um yeah and then you know Sam also danced on that track and it was just we had to like piece it together it was hard but the most of the others we got full takes no problem it would just you know take a while to get a good performance so let's talk a little bit about the rhythm playing because again that was the one thing i mean especially on this album i really noticed like the backing the way you approached it and i thought maybe we could talk a little bit about that for people out there because we're so used again to mandolin and thinking about it as a chopping instrument and it's it really is so much more than just chopping away or just playing you know loud chords when backing somebody up. And and so I'd love to talk about how you approach it or what you've listened to that's inspired you to approach it that way. Sure. Sure. Well, first of all, I come from a classical violin background. So I, I, I sometimes just kind of, you know, that's my, that's my old brain of just, you know, accompanying in, in, in a variety of ways you can, violin can do a lot of cool things. And so I kind of adapt some of that to mandolin. But as far as like, hmm, banjo lasses, for example. So there's, you know, I learned it from a banjo player. So I thought to myself, how can I make it sort of sound like a kind of claw hammery, gourd banjo-y sound um, and sort of give off that effect? I'm not sure if it was successful, but <laughs> in in trying, 
in trying, you come up with creative things. So I came up with an, a, you know, a strum that I probably wouldn't normally do. Where I'm sort of arpeggiating the bottom two strings, the G and the D strings, and then kind of strumming the A and E together. So it's like an arpeggio with the two bottom strings and then strumming on the two top strings that kind of give it a jangly sort of banjo-y sound, in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) And then to contrast that, um, the next track, Better Days Ahead, is a random jazz tune that Sam wanted to do. (laughs) And I I love it. I mean, it's a Pat Metheny tune. a while to learn because it's quite complicated harmonically but the chords are super fun but that also influenced sort of the rhythm playing because there's so much jumping around and so many interesting chord shapes to grab that you kind of have to I don't know you kind of just have to have to see what you can get done there's not going to be some regular you know repetitive consistent rhythm happening and especially in jazz you sort of follow the melody anyway with your rhythm and the, and the rhythm of the melody is really interesting as well. So yeah, there were a lot of interesting spots in there. Um, I got into sort of a, a, a jazz guitar nerd time in my life at one point. So I really enjoyed sort of playing with that and trying to pretend to be a jazz player. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am in that phase right now i've been playing uh on monday nights i play in like an organ trio and i play electric mandolin awesome yeah and uh yeah it's been the best and um it's been fun to like try to figure out and you know the the guy who plays keys plays the bass with his left hand in the melodies and chords with his right hand which is you know crazy yeah crazy and so it's kind of cool to be like hey what are you going to be doing on this tune you know to uh Mm -hmm. for chords and stuff so i don't do that (laughs) because yeah it's been awesome (laughs) It's been a, it's been wild to to do. So, who, yeah. who were some of your favorite jazz guys when you were listening oh, I was to them? Just actually, I was just you reminded me of a con. One of my favorite concerts was a, a John Schofield and Bill Frizzell double bill. Oh my gosh, that was awesome! Wow. That was amazing. And of course, they played together, so that was amazing. Oh wow! Um, yeah. There's this jazz guitar player I really really love. He's very tasty and unbelievably creative. His name is Gilad Hexelman. Have you heard of him? No. Can you spell that? Sure. G-I-L-A-D. Okay. And let me look up how to spell it. That'll, that'll get me, that'll get me the, I can't, there can't be many that, that many jazz guitar players with that first name. No. So I can, uh, <laughs> and, yeah, I can. He's, he's, he's pretty popular too. So you'll see him, Sweet. his name pop up right away. Oh, cool. Yeah. He's very tasty, very tasty. And it's really amazing how he can take an idea and hold on to it and develop it forever and it's just it's like it's it's amazing he's so good and he's also just has the patience and the restraint to kind of just you know hold back and sort of develop it in a really musical way rather than just you know here are all my chops you know? <laughs> right right and which i appreciate it's kind of like it's a it's a 
it's a it's a story, it's a path, you know, something you can follow, not just this, you know, noise. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned this guy because I've that's like the thing I've been looking for is just like I've been listening to a lot of like jazz ballads and different things with like tasteful note choices that I wouldn't normally think about to kind of dig into mm-hmm. and explore a little bit more. So totally, and in fact, if you wanna. I was inspired by one of his tracks specifically for my Two Trees album and uh, the Two Trees track. called Verona. So check out Galad's Verona because that was sort of the, the sort of um, little inspiration that I had for it. All the playing's great on it, but it was really, really refreshing to hear different approaches rhythmically on the mandolin um, as opposed yeah. to, you know, again, I love all of it. It doesn't matter what it yeah. is. I'm going to listen to it, but it's really cool when it's not like what you expect. Yeah. And you know, the mandolin is so versatile. You know, it doesn't have to just chop and it's, again, you know, it's, I think of it as as versatile as the the violin, which is amazingly versatile. (laughs) It's, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of options and a lot of capability. Just gotta, gotta go try it. What was the uh, mandolin that you used on the recording? Do you still have your same axe? I do. I have the, it's it's the Epidius. And in fact, I thought, I, I thought I wanted to go mandolin shopping. I mean, well, who doesn't want to go mandolin shopping? But <laughs> right, right. I, I thought I wanted something a little more... My mandolin is, is amazing. I do love it. I just was looking for something possibly a little louder because some of the ensembles I'm in are <laughs> loud. <laughs> and I wanted to be able to compete somehow with my little instrument and dainty hands. <laughs> so, um, I was trying to find maybe an instrument that could possibly be louder. So I, I did this really fun trip to Nashville. I went to Groon Guitars and um, a couple other shops and tried out a Mando tasted a bunch of mandolins and side by side with mine and each other's and, you know, looked at price tags. <laughs> and you know what? I learned how, what a great value my instrument is. <laughs> sure. You know, if I wanted the one, you know, some that I would maybe even consider but couldn't afford were, you know, it was getting up into like 50 grand. And I'm like, but I can't, that's not even worth it to me. My instrument is like holding its own in this range of instruments. And I don't need to go, you know, take out a loan and <laughs> do that just to get like, you know, a tiny bit more. I'm, I'm, I was, I'm quite, I came away very happy with my instrument. I'll say that. What about uh, picks? Are you what kind, what kind of picks? Are you still using the same sort of pick too? Yeah, I use Wiegands. Um, you know, I'm kind of like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of philosophy. And it's been working for me pretty well. It's kind of funny. I, I mentioned I was just in the studio with the Syncopass and the, the engineer was trying to, he's a mandolin player, and he was trying to convert me to use Golden Gates, and which are very different than Wiegands. Um, and because he was getting some some pick noise that he didn't like on his end. 
And he was also repositioning microphones to sort of avoid some of that. But, you know, one thing I really like about the Wiegands is you sort of, first of all, they're pointed and you can be very precise with them. And um, I find that I need that. A rounded pick does not work for me at all. I just feel like I miss half of what I'm going for if it's round. But but also the, the bevel... Once it's sort of kind of, you know, the, the, the sort of sharp edge is sort of worn down a tiny bit, I, I find the tone is super warm and there's not as much pick clack. I don't like the clacky, the clacky percussive sound with it every initial pick. Um, so, yeah, anyway, that's that's sort of I I'm, I'm still stand by my my Wiegands. Yeah, I love the Wiegands. They're super consistent, too. Like, you know, that you can get the three pack and, you know, once you break it in, although there's definitely a breaking in period with the Wiegands. I, I dropped one. Yeah on a uh, like a stage like a month and a half ago and it fell through the cracks of the wood and so it was oh, like no. down there and I'm like no but I had you know I had like more in my case so I just grabbed it and I'm like oh no <laughs> like, I gotta go through this but it's a brand new one you know it's like I gotta go through that breaking in period like it was you know enough to crawl under the stage afterwards and find the uh, <laughs> to find the other hey, one man. like a lunatic it's like an $8 pick. I'd crawl under the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was broken in. You know what I mean? It had like, uh, you know, probably a hundred or more hours on it. You know what I mean? It was like, the, it just felt, it felt right. You know, so. Yeah. You, you like, you wear it in. It's like a good pair of shoes or something. You just, you know, breaking it in takes some time. I would never use a brand new pick for a recording. I just, yeah, it doesn't come out, come out nice. Yeah, no. Was he trying to get you to use like the rounded golden gate, like the Grisman sort of rounded one or just yes. like, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can't I do it. That's, that's, that no. would be like, be like telling you to play cello. <laughs> like, hey, why don't you not play mandolin? Yeah. <laughs> it's just not, not the same. Yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh, that's wild. What anything else currently you're listening to right now? I'd love to pick your brain about what you're listening to because you have such a your your projects are, are are so eclectic to me compared to you know some other some other players that who's playing I really enjoy listening to. So I'd love to know what you're listening to. Obviously, I've got this new jazz guy to check out, but what else you've been digging? Oh, listening. Oh yeah. Oh, that's fun. I was just um I we with a, a handful of musician friends and I started a text thread recently on. A tune a day, you know, we all we all learn a tune a day together, and it's kind of like you know we have this <laughs> this really ambitious goal of learning a hundred in a hundred days, and we did not make it in a hundred days, but we're still going, yeah. <laughs> and um, you know when we can, and uh, so it's really fun. So everybody's sort of offering these really interesting, um, you know albums and tracks that I'd never heard of before. Of course, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. But anyway, that's how I've been listening to new stuff lately. Uh, let me think. Um, you know, I mentioned I'm in school. I'm My brain is really occupied with post-tonal music at the moment. <laughs> it's, uh, I haven't been listening to much folk or acoustic lately. Um but you know, I bet I bet I will be because we'll be mixing and and mastering soon with the Cinco's album, and you know, I kind of have to have good things to compare it to. Yeah. What um what when's that album coming out? We're hoping for fall. Um, so we're just starting that you know the the scary post post process of um, mix editing, mixing, and mastering. So. 
it's going to take a, take a bit. Yeah, for sure. Well, man, when you guys uh, release a single, shoot one my way. I'll be more than happy to play it uh, on one of the episodes here for sure to, to help Heck you get yeah. the word out. Oh, yeah, please. I'm excited totally, to hear it. Yeah. You know, it was a really it was a really fun project to do because we hadn't recorded. Well, we attempted to record in ten, within these 10 years that we did not record. <laughs> and it just kind of all failed miserably. I, we just creatively couldn't get on the same page. And we eventually would just let it go. And then the project would sort of fizzle and die. <laughs> How far would you get in? Would that be, would you like book recording studio time to do that? Or just start kind of like getting together and working on tunes? We were trying to record it ourselves, um, and that's not never super great idea. <laughs> um, so we had like ten years of trying to make an album together, and we had we had we actually had way way too much material. If you can imagine playing with a band and just accumulating material, and then having to choose from that material to make one album, that was a lot we had to whittle down. And in fact, we still have way too much material that we did record. So we're going to still have to whittle it down, but at least we have all the things that were, that were important to each of us. Um, so it was a really, I don't know. It felt like this really culminating, you know, um, experience over 10 years trying to get this stuff down and with the help of a wonderful studio, which was a treat and a wonderful producer that kept us from, you know, getting in our own way. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good producer right there. (laughs) Yeah. No kidding. That's great. Well, excellent. How about any, any, any beers, any new beers roll your way? Oh, beers. Um, you know, I have not been drinking very much, but I really have been enjoying sours. I don't know if I told you this last time. I like sours a lot, and I like uh, Belgians a lot. Um, And recently, we were spending some time up in Sebastopol, California, and uh, that's where Russian River Brewery is. So we got to, we just would taste all their beers. It was great. It's, that's the great when you go to a brewery too. That's the best. Like just the the old samples. You're like, okay, let's get the little flights and see. A, totally. Yeah. It kind of influences your the the whole ambiance. Kind of influences the experience. It's nice. Well, that's awesome. Well, again, congratulations on the album. It really is fantastic. I uh, I've listened to it. I I mean. I don't even know how many times now, probably because I <laughs> it starts repeating again. So I, I lose track. But again, it's just um, it's definitely an album that you can uh, listen to multiple times in a row because it's got, um, again, like a surprising amount of variety for two instruments that you wouldn't even think <laughs> to, at the same time are the are the tunes to uh, or the instruments to put together. And you guys do a great job. Thanks. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it. And I just kind of, you know, the whole point of the album was just to sort of try and express how much fun we have playing together and it sounds like from your from your review it sounds like that that came across so that's awesome 100 percent. and where can everybody buy it this has been my new thing lately since i listened to a Corey wong podcast and it was him and john mayer and again they have completely different fan bases than mandolin players as far as numbers go you know we're millions of followers <laughs> but they made a really right. good point that i think is great is that if every person who followed just bought one album every two years mm. or every one year. What a difference it really does make for an artist. 
So it where so does yeah. yeah. So where could should people go to purchase this album? At the moment, we have it for sale on Bandcamp. So you can go to Bandcamp and search Sam and Ash or Echo Summit, most likely, and you'll be able to find it. Um, you can also find links on our website. Our website is uh, samandashband.com. And I'm sure there are links on our social media accounts as well. We have Facebook and Instagram. So, yeah, you can find you can find us most anywhere you look. And, yeah, you can listen before you buy or just buy one track, whatever you want. And eventually we're going to put it on streaming services, but we wanted to just put it out there for sale first. Yeah, that's super smart. I think that's really smart. It's scary to do, you know what I mean? I think probably, but <laughs> yeah. great idea. I mean, that's – I I think – Oh, it's that's that whole thing, you know. It's it's so yep. easy to just get it out there and get listens, but at the same time, it's it's a financial investment and a time investment, which you can't even really put a dollar amount on. And I think it's, it's worth true. it to just go out there and support the people doing this and and spend the it's two coffees, man. <laughs> Seriously, I know, I know, I know. For a piece of art. <laughs> yeah, and some you're gonna have forever, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, go out and buy this album, Ashley. Thank you so much for doing the podcast again. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Daniel. Great to talk to you again. Yeah, same here. All right. Thanks so much to Ashley for doing the podcast. Thank you to everybody listening. Have yourselves a fantastic weekend. Go out and buy this brand new album. Links are in the description and at mandolinsandbeer.com. Cheers, everybody.